morning. Uh, it's a great day. I'm tired. This is my Friday. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that we can come out uh, to the street uh, and uh, proclaim the Word of God. Uh, we can even preach a message on the sidewalk here with a camera. Uh, we can hold a banner up with the Word of God on it. Uh, we can proclaim aloud the words of Christ. We can uh, pass out some literature. We can do a lot of different things for you, Lord, but in all those things, we want to continue in your grace. Uh, we don't want to lean on our own understanding or lean on our own physical abilities or talents or gifts that we have already within us. Uh, we're ministers of you, Lord. We're not ministers of ourselves. Nor are we ministers of some church or some organization or some missionary alliance. Uh, we are ministers of Jesus Christ. That's you, Lord. We're, we're your ministers. And we're a light here in the world that you send us. What city or state or country, wherever you send us, Lord. Uh, you brought me to Longmont, Colorado today to be a light to all these people here in this city. And I thank you, Lord, that my light is shining, that I don't need to see the light. I know the light is in me and shining about me. And uh, the, I just know, Lord, by faith and belief in my heart that what I pray, I receive. What I preach, I receive. What I know about you, Lord, actually is true and comes about in my life at your timing, at your will, uh, because uh, I don't exactly know all the time, nor anyone know uh, exactly uh, what's happening every second of every day of every week, month and year and season, decade or whatever, Lord. Uh, so we lean completely on you, Lord. We don't lean on anything other than you, Lord. So even today, I am leaning heavily on you, Lord. And I'm believing that grace will carry me through this day. Uh, in your name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, it's really black and cloudy. It looks like it's nighttime, even though I got sunglasses on. I take them off and go, wow, it's really dark. Uh, so today and tomorrow, we've got this mass of thick, heavy clouds, probably that hurricane that came out of Mexico or across California, I'm not sure. But uh, could be, I don't know. Uh, don't keep up with the weather that much. But, uh, you know, sometimes uh, I arrive at my location on an odd time when I say 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever the case may be, nine, eight, um, because I ride the bus. So like today, our bus is like 15 minutes late because he left late and then we had certain passengers that he had to attend to. And uh, so it put me about 15 minutes behind schedule, which is just fine. But uh, people who don't ride public transportation don't get that. And I just have to bring that up to people's attention. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all, but I'm just saying it in case it's bugging somebody. Uh, I don't punch a time clock out here. There's no, there's no time clock anywhere, nor at my house. I don't walk out the door and put my time card in there and click in, and then I come back and click out. Uh, I am serving the Lord all the time, all the time. I'm never, I never take off the Lord Jesus Christ. I never take off my ministry. Back in the summer of 1989, the Lord, maybe 89 or 90, it's hard for me to remember exactly when it was, but it was the summertime because I was cleaning the pool and we moved into that new home in Redding, California when I got out of Bible school. And uh, uh, so it was either that summer or the summer, the next summer, I don't know which one it was. But uh, I used to gripe and complain about the ministry. I told that before, that story. And uh, the Lord showed me a couple things, did a few things, and if you've heard my story, you know what it is. Uh, but from that point forward, uh, I never took off the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, ever. And uh, <laughs> the one on 
my bus is there. Not that bus, but it's a little bus I was on. And uh, I never really took the ministry off. But because of my complaining and murmuring, I knew that the Spirit of God kind of backed up a little bit. Because uh, the Holy Ghost is not going to sanction and, and uh, gratify our complaining and griping. So that's really, we have to stay away from that. And we can read it very clearly in the Bible. That's something God doesn't like. And like in my scripture shorts that I talked about uh, just a moment ago when I did, and I'll upload that when I get home. Uh, it's a, we want to continue in the grace of God and to continue in the grace of God we have to uh, understand it and uh, actually dwell within it dwell in the grace of God and live and walk in that grace however when you begin to look around and you look at sin and you look at stuff that you shouldn't be looking at and you begin to gripe or complain or murmur uh, that grace uh, seems to alter a little bit, seems to back up, seems to move. It just seems like something changes in the spirit. And so we really have to watch the words of our mouth, the words of your mouth, uh, the meditation of your heart, uh, what's coming into your mind, how are you working with your brain that God gave you. I mean, what is going on in your life? everything you need to look at it whatever you put in your mouth and comes out of your mouth whatever you put in your eyes comes out of your eyes ears same way in your brain your spirit you know we're we're one package we're not we're not just a bunch of pieces all thrown together we're a coherent system that operates together the brain operates with the feet you know and the feet operate with the hands and all that kind of stuff well, the same way with us as believers and God we operate inside of Christ and not outside of Christ so when you complain or gripe uh, that kind of makes things abrasive I guess you could say I don't want to go into a lot of detail there but uh, it's just important to understand that and uh, uh, anyways we pray already? I don't even know if I prayed. Let's pray again. I can't remember if I prayed or not. I'm really tired. Lord, I want to pray again, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I prayed. I can't remember, Lord. But uh, I'm thinking about your grace, Lord. And I'm asking, Lord, that you uh, provide that grace or an understanding and a wisdom of the grace that is in you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing by showing us grace in your word. And, uh, Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, now I know I prayed. <laughs> so, sorry. I mean, uh, as long as I'm physically able, I come out. And I'm physically able, I'm just tired. Doesn't mean I'm not able. I'm able, I'm just tired, physically tired. Yesterday was a long day. I didn't finish my work till what? 8.30 or 9 o'clock last night? It was crazy, man. So, uh, let's go here to... Uh, where are we at? So we're in the, uh, where are we? We're in the Sunday prayer letter. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> if you don't like this video, if you don't like this message, I'll have another one tomorrow, the next tomorrow. Tomorrow's my Sabbath. Uh, but Sunday over there, uh, 28th and Pearl, I'll be over there. So I'll have another one coming out there too. That's really crazy. I, I'm going to have over a thousand videos here pretty soon. I thought, wow, man, that's, that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot, you know? But uh, that's a lot. Anyways, uh, so, uh, so with Sunday Prayer Letter, uh, the Word of the Lord was published, is our title for our letter this week that we've been in. Acts chapter 1349 is where that is. The, the Word of the Lord was published. And we're in the signs, as you know, signs, or we're in the theme called Signs, Wonders, Miracles, Praise, Worship. And we have a lot of rain coming. I don't, it's kind of chilly actually. It's only about 68 degrees. I should have dressed a little warmer. But this weather, I could ever tell if it's going to be hot or cold. It's really crazy. Uh, today's Friday, part six. I'm going to do part six and part seven, Friday and Saturday. Acts 13, 42 to 52. 42 to 52. All right, let's get into it. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought 
that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So we know that, I'll talk as I go along here. So we know that Paul and Barnabas were preaching the word of God in the synagogue on the Sabbath and everybody was listening and uh, a lot of Jews that live in that area and uh, I mean not, uh, Gentiles that live in that area, Jews and Gentiles live in that area, a lot of proselytes. Um, come down, I found out what pro proselyte, I always knew what that meant but I looked it up and it means somebody who's converted over from uh, being a stranger to being inside the, the Israelite family. Converted, how do I look at it? Okay. Anyways, uh, when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles, uh, who were also somewhere in the neighborhood there, besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Okay. So they set an appointment with Paul and Barnabas and said, Well, make sure you guys come back next Sabbath and uh, preach these words again because we want to hear more. So the Gentiles were seeking God. Interesting how maybe the Jews were not. I don't know that, but uh, some of the Jews today don't seek the Lord. They don't believe Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Lamb of God is the Messiah. Uh, they're waiting for something else. All right, we'll let them keep waiting. Uh, verse 43, now when the congregation was broken up, in other words, dismissed, uh, many of the Jews and religious proselytes, all right, those who converted over from, you know, from other, some Greek religion maybe, or some other God or some other situation, to the Hebrew tradition. And I tell you, this is gonna be a crazy day today out here. I'll be here, this is, I have two locations in Longmont. Uh, I think this is my third time here. I come here once a month, the fourth Friday of every month I come to Longmont. And uh, I saw this location at uh, US 287, which is where I was in Lafayette, way down there. Way down there. I don't know how far it is, but several miles. And uh, this is 119 that goes into Boulder. And uh, this highway goes out to uh, Interstate 25, which is the north-south freeway corridor from New Mexico to Wyoming. And uh, so a lot of people come off the freeway. I don't know how far it is out there. I don't know, 10 miles. I don't know what it is. Uh, they come off there because it just looks like there's a lot of freeway traffic. So this is kind of like a gate into Longmont, this portion of Longmont. And I'll stay here for uh, two or three hours, and then I'll walk way up there to Fifth and Main, which is quite a long walk. It takes me almost 30 minutes to walk up there, but uh, that's my original location. So I'm at two locations here in Longmont. Hallelujah! All right. Now, when the congregation is broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them. Persuaded them. I mean, yeah. Think about the word persuade. I mean, they were earnestly. Uh, convincing them to, uh, to do this, persuaded them uh, to continue in the grace of God, to continue in the grace of God. You can look at that a couple different ways there. Uh, they persuaded them to come back and to continue teaching them about the grace of God and also uh, show them how to live in the grace of God, how to continue in that grace. Uh, that's the era that we're living in. We're no longer in the laws, uh, like the law of Moses. Uh, that was finished and completed at the cross of Calvary. And now, uh, cross of Christ, whatever you want to say that, um, we started grace. And grace is like freedom. It's like a time between the act and a second act. There's like a intermission. I mean, grace can look like intermission. Uh, we're before, there was an intermission and grace, let's say, uh, if you did something wrong with the law, you immediately were, the, you were, the law dealt with you immediately. And uh, that's, we have still have some laws, many laws actually, but one of the laws that came to my mind just now for me to say is the law of sin and death. Uh, and that law uh, is, is says that the moment you die, if you don't have uh, Jesus Christ, that law immediately enacts, becomes uh, part of your life, and you die and go to hell if you don't have Christ. All right? And, uh, and normally at that time, you already know you're condemned already. Uh, but that's why He gives you grace your whole life. Your whole life. <laughs> he gives you grace your whole life, which means He gives you this space of time 
this intermission between the law of sin and death and the time that you die, okay? And uh, that in that intermission, you don't go out and get some popcorn. That's what a lot of people do. They go out and get some cotton candy, some popcorn, and they go play during the intermission, okay? And uh, then they die eating popcorn out in the lobby of the theater. <laughs> they get they choke on the popcorn, whatever, you know, just playing around. And uh, they should have uh, went out in intermission and prayed. That's what they should have done, prayed. Because sometimes we have spaces of time in our life, and during those spaces of time, those little intermissions of our life, uh, we should pray during those times. You know, I clean my bathtub every time after I take a shower. I just don't take a shower, let it go. I mean, I'm very clean in everything I do. I mean, I know a lot of people don't do that, and. You know, I've never said that before, but I was uh, praying here several years ago, and I didn't like cleaning my bathtub, my shower. You know, I didn't like cleaning it because, <laughs> God bless because uh, after a while, you know, the residue from our body cakes on the sides of the shower and not the bathtub. And it was just really hard for me to clean it because it took too much time. And I kept asking, what, what can I do to, so I don't have to spend so much time cleaning all this stuff. I got to keep it clean. And sometimes I'd go a month without cleaning. I'm going, I just hate this. And here, several years ago, the Lord showed me where after I take a shower, I could wipe everything down and it'll stay clean. So that to me is an intermission. I use that as an intermission. Uh, and so I, what do I do during that intermission? Do I just uh, do nothing? Do I just have a blank mind? No, I am praying like I was this morning. I'm praying as I wipe the tub down, I wipe the shower walls down. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but it doesn't matter to me. That was an answer to prayer. That was an answer to prayer, because now, after all these years, I don't have to sit and, and scrub the pool. I mean, scrub the, pool. scrub the tub like I used to, which really bugged me. You know, I don't have a maid. I don't have people who take care of my home. I have to take care of them. Plus everything else I do, I have to do the domestic work also. So I'm by myself. Been by myself since 1994. And my wife quit Jesus and she quit the church, she quit our ministry, quit our children, quit our marriage, and quit everything. She went upside down, inside out for several years when she went into menopause early. And uh, that was really tragic. That was a horrible thing. And. Uh, but I lived through it. it. Took me five years to overcome that. That was the greatest tragedy of my life. Greatest tragedy of my life. But I've never remarried. I read in the scripture where uh, Paul said, uh, you know, it's a higher, harder, more difficult road if you can stay single. I don't know the exact scripture. And so I decided to live that way. And uh, it's not been easy, it's been very hard. But it hasn't been hard in the last, you know, 20 years or so. Uh, but that's what I do. So uh, she has never remarried and I've never remarried. And so I am the husband of one wife because she is not dead. She's still alive. She's two years younger than me. And I pray for her often and our children. Children are a part of my life, but uh, she is not. She is still uh, doing what she does. Uh, she's come back to Jesus, hallelujah for that, and uh, she's repented, and she's serving the Lord uh, in the capacity she can, uh, whatever she's doing, all right? So that's another story there. All right, great. So, for example, we have grace in this marriage, all right? So 1994 to, uh, well, next year will be 2024. How long is that? That's, uh, that's uh, uh, 30 years? I don't know, I can't read, you know, is that 30 years? I think that's 30 years of being, uh, living in this grace, okay? And uh, that's how you can do a lot of things in the ministry by grace. That's why the people persuaded them to uh, continue in grace, uh, to continue uh, in the grace of God, all right? That might be my title today, because I really, because that's what I'm, that's what I'm, dealing with now uh, because I'm physically tired and uh, 
I'm a little hungry. I fasted my breakfast because I needed to spend time with the Lord because I got up a little later than normal. I couldn't get out of bed. I was just, I was just so exhausted. So I fasted the breakfast time and I had to spend that time in the Word of God. I feed on the Word of God. I'd rather feed on the Word rather than oatmeal. <laughs> you know? So you get a choice. You can feed on the oatmeal and think that you're feeding on the Word of God at the same time when you have your Bible there. But you're really not. I mean, you may be looking at it, but you're really eating your oatmeal. And your body's, you know, whatever the case may be. I do the same thing. So uh, that's what I did today. And uh, so I'm, that's what it feels like today. Is It's a day of grace. It's a day of grace for me. I don't have to be a certain way. I don't have to talk a certain way. I can literally do whatever I want to do today. You know, and that's why I'm here. This is what I wanted to do today. I really wanted to do this. And, uh, and you know, God, uh, in his mercy, just said, yeah, come on, let's go, come on out, let's go. And I just think it's wonderful. That's why I think this will be the title. It was of the scripture short. I'll be one, this one too. You know, they persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. The grace of God. Remember that verse we talked about way back, you know, a few weeks ago or a month ago, whatever it was, and he mentioned great grace. I use that a lot nowadays. Great grace. Wow, isn't that wonderful? Well, that's kind of what I need today. Great grace to survive, you know, <clears throat> this day. Thank God it's cool. Normally it's like 110,000 degrees out here is what it feels like. It's like this is one great big frying pan and uh, Satan pours the grease and I bubble in this frying pan out here and fry. But uh, today it's chilly actually. It's kind of cool. So that's, could that be a part of God's grace? I don't know. But it feels good to the body for sure. I even put my earplugs in there while I'm doing this. Normally I don't like doing that, but because I'm so sensitive, I'm tired, all the noise really bothers my ears. So I just uh, not deal with that, you know? I got bees flying around here. All right. So they persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Okay, let's move on now. Uh, 44. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the Word of God. To hear the Word of God. You know, I mean, you know what I think is interesting is, uh, now I don't know what takes place in the tavern or in the temple or the synagogue here. Uh, I don't know if there's a bunch of singing and dancing. I don't know if there's a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, I'm not clear on that. Uh, but in today's churches, you know, a lot of people go to church not for the Word of God, but for all the music. And when the music done is done, they leave. I was an usher for a couple, several, you know, two or three years, two and a half years. I was an usher at Bethel Church. And uh, I would watch them all leave, you know. And then other people wouldn't come to church until after the praise and worship service. And they would listen to the Word of God, then they would leave. You know, when I was an usher, there was probably about 2,500 to 3,000 people at Bethel Church, something like that. And uh, uh, I would see that, you know, I would see that, you know. As an usher, you're, you're, you're kind of doing something different than everybody else, you know, you're like a, whatever, you know, you're an usher. You know what that is. All right. <clears throat> but when the Jews held the multitudes, they were all filled with envy. Oh, let me go back up to 44 again. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the Word of God. To hear the Word of God. So, I hope you came to the channel to hear the Word of God. To hear the Word of God. To hear the Word of God. Okay? And, as you know, uh, my uh, videos are kind of like a little bit of a... Uh, video story of what I'm was going through in my life, a kind of a vlog type situation, and then the preaching of the word. Uh, just, you know, uh, uh, I, I want to make a complete, I want every 
uh, video kind of stand on its own. I don't want it to, you need to listen to last yesterday's video or you need to listen to tomorrow. I mean, all you need to listen to is just for today. You know, today's message is all you really need, you know. And, uh, but listen to the whole message. Just don't listen to the first five minutes or 10 minutes and click it off because this will probably be about 45 minutes long. I mean, a lot of them are about that time. Uh, yesterday was 35 minutes or something like that. Many, some of them are an hour long. So listen to the whole, if you're gonna listen to one video, listen to the whole thing. Why not? You know, get the whole message. And, uh, and you know, it's one, you know, it's just something, okay? Praise the Lord. And the next Sabbath day, uh, almost the whole city came together uh, to hear the word of God. Verse 40, 45. I got to go back there and say it one more time. I got to talk about one more thing here before I go further. And that is pastors need to know that the reason people come to church is really not for the music. You have to understand that. That's, uh, I know a lot of modern New Age churches, that's what their whole thing is, is to bring the people in by the music not by the Word of God. Now, hopefully they'll come in by the music and hear the Word of God, but, you know, I just, uh, just think about why you, why, why does your congregation come to your church? And look around and think and pray about what the Holy Ghost is seeing, because you want to see what He's seeing, not what you're seeing, or your staff sees. You want to see what God is seeing when he looks at your church, all right? And ask him for help to lead your church, to shepherd your, that church. He's the great shepherd, right? So you take your cues from him, not from your board, you know? Anyways, that's another story there. Something I had to say, I guess. Came together, hear the word of God, verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. <laughs> kind of interesting. I wanted to talk about that, but I'm not going to anymore. Envy, and spake against those things, those things. What were those things they were speaking against? Let's stop right there. They wanted to speak against those things. That what? That Paul and Barnabas was doing. What were they doing? They were preaching the Word of God. Right? It says right there, the Word of God. And they didn't call it the Word of God. They call it a thing. Oh, those things. You see what's happening there? The Jews do not, do not believe the Word of God. They believe the habits that their generation upon generation upon generation upon generation has taught them. And that's why they're trapped in their habitual lifestyle of worshiping God. That's why God doesn't hear a thing they're saying. Because you have to go through Jesus Christ. Even if you're a Hebrew, is God still hearing your prayers? I don't know. Are you still a chosen people of God? Yeah. Hero of Abraham. Or just you know, something to think about. And just to meditate on and search the scriptures. But that's what it says here. They, they all came together to hear the word of God. So that was Paul and Barnabas. They were preaching the word of God. But it says here that the Jews uh, spake against those things which were spoken. Spoken. He was speaking the word of God, and the Jews were going against the word of God. Now, you see what I'm see what's happening there? That's why they were persuaded earlier to continue in the grace of God. Because if Paul and Barnabas started railing on the Jews, then the word of God really might not have gone forth, and the Gentiles might not have heard the word of God but they persuaded them earlier to continue in the grace so that when you come back on the Sabbath to the temple, to the synagogue, to preach the word of God, you'll come with grace, right? You come with grace and that we can learn the word of God in grace because we need that intermission, you know, we need that space of time to really hear the word of God, all right? That's why a lot of times we pray before we preach. I pray before I turn the camera on. I'm always praying, but I'll say something special before I turn the camera on. All right? Uh, so the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul. 
okay? And here's what they were doing. They were contradicting and blaspheming. Contradict and blaspheme. You can almost see, if you look at a slower, slow down, when you read the Word of God, especially the King James, that blaspheme is like contrary or contradicting or opposing, like perpendicular, you know, obtuse. And when you're that way with the Holy Ghost, when you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, that sort of means you're contradicting, you're going against the Holy Ghost, or you're uh, obtuse or perpendicular, uh, opposed to the Holy Ghost, and that's why that sin is unforgivable. And uh, I go a little step further than that, because a lot of people, I don't think, really truly understand that, so I go one step further in explaining that, is that when you uh, sin against the Holy Ghost, that that sin is unforgivable, what that really means is, the, to me, the way I extended a little bit based on the Word of God, that the unforgivable sin is you have not received the Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb of God. You have not received the Spirit of God. Therefore, you're going to die and go to hell. That Once you go to hell, you're unforgivable. You cannot be forgiven after you die. After you die, after that last day that you have here, and the intermission has ended, and the movie begins for you who have not received Christ, and the intermission has ended, and you know you've got your popcorn, your cotton candy, all that gets burned up, and you enter into hell. All right? Sorry. Uh, and that is unforgivable. You can beg all you want, but it is unforgivable because you resisted, you counterdicted, you blasphemed the Holy Ghost. That's kind of a little bit of a stretch there, but that's how I see it. Because to me, the only unforgivable sin is not really, uh, it's uh, not receiving Christ, you know? And a lot of people want to expound on that. But to me, that makes the most has the most wisdom attached to it. Unforgivable sin. Well, I don't know why I have to say that, but blasphemy. That's what kind of get me to that. So you can see here that uh, counterdicting, in other words, opposing that, all right, counter, opposite, going the other way. You know, Holy Ghost says, come here and receive Christ. He said, oh, I'm not going to do that and run the other way. You're never forgiven. That's kind of situation there, all right? <clears throat> Busy day out here, man. Contradicting blaspheme. All right, verse 46. All right, verse 46. All right. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. Bold. Huh. I was reading that this morning. Wax bold. Uh, wax. You know, before the. You know, kind of like where he had the wax had melted and he was kind of easy going and kind of floating around. Then all of a sudden, that contradicting, that blaspheming the Holy Ghost, uh, made that wax come together and it became stiff and bold. He waxed bold, and the flame was lit, and the candle was burning brightly, and Paul preached the Word of God with boldness and power because he waxed bold. That's part of my prayer when believers acknowledge me. I said, Lord, I think that that acknowledgement becomes a point of contact to receive boldness to preach the gospel, that they wax bold to preach, and they receive power to be a witness I mean, I pray for every believer to acknowledge me. That's why I want believers to acknowledge me, because I have a supplicational prayer for them that gets triggered, that gets started in their life when they acknowledge me. That's why I have my hand lifted up, and I'm why I'm moving around trying to get people to look over here, you know, trying to interact with people, because I have a prayer for them. But it's only that prayer is only for those who wave or honk, or, and I have prayers for the mockers and the haters and all that stuff too, you know? I have prayers for everybody. I want everyone to interact with me. God bless you, man. Interact with me, okay? Kind of rainy here. Let's keep going here. All right, verse, uh, he waxed bold and said, <laughs> said. And so now that's the word. The word said is like the match that God lit Paul's candle. Lit his light. <laughs> God's the light, right? But he, that's like the, he said. Because as soon as you speak, you're going to speak the words of the Holy Ghost. Because you wax bold. What's he going to speak? He's going to speak the word of God, right? With boldness, power, authority, right? Anyways, 
How do you do that? How do you do that? I mean, how do you really do that? Well, you spend a lot of time with God. That's how you do it. You spend a lot of time with God. If you spend a little tiny bit of time with God, you're probably not going to experience the waxing bold and preaching with boldness and a power and authority. Unless, unless God has something for you to do, and He's going to kind of go over you and get it done anyways, and then once it's done, then He'll back off. But uh, anyways, another story there. And Paul Abar's back waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the Word of God should first have been spoken to you, the Jews. The Word of God, Jesus even said, I have come to the house of Israel. And that's, so he is faithful to that. So he's up in heaven, the right hand of the Father, interceding, he's our mediator. He's now the Holy Ghost says, now I want you guys to go and preach to the Jews first, right? And then I'm gonna send you to the Gentile. So it's really important that Paul did that. There's an order to the way you're to preach the Word of God. There's an order to it. So uh, I hope you obey that order. And to, to do that, you have to be dwelling and living in that grace of God, continuing in that grace of God. That's why I'm kind of persuading you in this message today to really continue in the grace of God and not get out of that grace and just kind of come to understanding, more of an understanding, abundant understanding of what the grace of God is, all right? <clears throat> all right? So necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye, all of you, put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. They put the word of God away from them. They counterdicted, blasphemed, pushed back the word of God. They, kind of, they twisted it, they turned it, they manipulated it, they corrupted it. They did all kinds of stuff, whatever. Maybe not corrupted, but... Uh, all right, and uh, they did that because they did not believe it. You don't do that when you believe it. When you believe the word of God, you embrace it. That's how people get saved. You believe the Word of God, you believe what the Bible says, the wages of sin is death, and you're gonna die, and you're a sinner, and there's none good, not even one single person on all the planet, there's no way you can be good enough to go to heaven, and since you're not good enough, and nobody's good enough, and you're a sinner, and the Bible says, <clears throat> the Word of God says, when you die, you go to hell, and if you don't want to go there and you believe the Word of God, you take the Word of God in and you pray, Jesus, if you're real, here I am. And that's how you get saved, by grace, right? If it wasn't for grace, you would not be saved. If it wasn't for grace, you wouldn't even be saved. Salvation wouldn't even be here. You gotta really understand what grace is all about. If grace wasn't here, we wouldn't have an opportunity to receive Christ. I'll let you mull on that for a day or two. All right, so uh, going on down here. Necessary the word of God first be broken to you, but seeing that you put it away from you, put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. That is, I don't know how to talk on that, but you know, the only thing I can say on being, judging yourselves unworthy, <clears throat> sometimes people, don't want to receive Christ because they don't think they're worthy to receive Jesus Christ. Maybe they're so full of sin and they're so wicked and they've done so many bad things that they say, you know, I, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough to receive salvation. We see that some of the people here, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house, the centurion said, you know, for example. And uh, so where did that unworthiness come from? It comes from Satan. Satan gave them a feeling of darkness and unworthiness. Uh, sometimes people don't go into the ministry because they feel like they're unworthy to preach the Word of God. And so you have to really talk to God about that. You know, I've dealt with that myself. You know, just keep, you know, just keep working on it. Unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. All right, so we did our job by talking to all the all the Jews, now we're gonna leave 
and we're going to go to the strangers, the Gentiles, the Greeks, right? And we're going to go all over the world. How about that? So see you guys later. I'm out of here. <laughs> Just like Longmont here, you know? I'm going to be here today for how many hours I'm going to be here. I put it on my calendar. I'm not sure how long it'll last because of the storm. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. But when I leave, I leave. Like my corner, that all the corners I go to. I'm only there for a short season. Then I go. I leave. And people say, oh, good, he's gone. <laughs> and then I come back a while later. Anyways, let's go, keep on going here. So we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles. That's what all of us are. As Gentiles, we ourselves are set as a light to the Gentiles. And I struggle, and I've said it many, many times, I struggle with American USA Christians who think they have to become a Jew to receive the fullness of God. That's not true. All right. Let's go on. Delight uh, of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Wow. All of us Gentiles, strangers, I guess you could say too. Right now we're saints if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we are our light for salvation. That's what I'm doing out here. What does this church say? Trust Jesus on this shirt. You know, it's a commandment. Trust Jesus. Stop trusting yourself. You know, trust Jesus up here too, I think. Plus my banner has all kinds of stuff on it. <clears throat> and when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. <laughs> they were glad. Are you glad that you're here listening to this sermon? Or you wish you were someplace else? Well, you know, that's the beauty of uh, YouTube, I guess. You can just click, I'm out of here, John. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> well, I have a lot of people who watch this channel who are not saved, who do not believe in Christ, who work for Satan. Watch this channel. And uh, I hope you get saved, man. I love you. <laughs> and as long as you're not dead, I'm still going to keep praying for you, man. Sorry. As long as you're not dead, I'm going to keep praying for you. I'm going to keep standing in the gap for you. I don't care how much you hate me and how much you hate Jesus and you think, oh, that's all the lie. I'm going to keep praying for you, man. Keep praying for you over and over again. Every day, I lift you up. And you know who you are. When the Gentiles heard this, they were all glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. I don't get that one little section for as many were or obtain, uh, uh, ordained to eternal life. Uh, ordained means kind of like an anointing, a spirit of God comes on you and gives you power. Well, that's how you get saved. That's how you receive eternal life. The Holy Ghost comes upon you and regenerates your spirit, I guess, kind of renews you, uh, kind of like you have a battery and uh, you have a dead battery. And uh, so a dead battery, to rejuvenate the battery, you take the old uh, battery acid out and you refill it with new battery acid and then you recharge the plates of the battery and you become a refurbished battery. And God calls you a new battery. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty cool. And you were once an old battery and the charge that you had is no longer able to run the engine. Now you have a new battery, a refurbished battery, a new battery for all, you know, for all, you know, for our example. It's a new battery that now you can run the engine and run the AC and run all the lights and run everything. And hopefully on your radio is the Word of God playing. All right. All right. And the Word of the Lord was okay. Uh, and as many were ordained to eternal life, believe. All right, believe, 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 believe. Believe. 
And the word of the Lord was published. That's the, our title for our Sunday prayer. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all of the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city. I was thinking about that last couple of days. I was kept looking at this here. So I wonder why they stirred up the women first rather than the men first. I thought that seems kind of backwards. I mean, uh, what's going on there? Something, uh, something's going on there that's kind of different. They stirred up the women first, then the men second. It just caught my attention. I'm a kid, right? Just wondering why God had, you know, why did this happen? Why did, we know this is happening by Satan. Is Satan putting women above men? Probably. It's kind of what we see today, right? kind of what I shared a few days ago of the uh, why do you call some things he and some things she and uh, after praying that for years and years and years here a few days ago I got the answer and that is he and she in the context that I was asking is a uh, 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 an order system a priority system he becomes it comes before a she he she that's how it goes. It doesn't go she and then a he. Eve was not created and Adam did not come out of Eve. See that there's a hierarchy of order. Right? So why is the hierarchy of order turned around backwards here? You know, it's just, to me it's interesting. Something to think about. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women. Devout and honorable women. You kind of wonder, well, how devout to God are they and how honorable are they if they're listening to uh, contradiction to the Word of God that was preached? I don't know. It's just something else to think about. Uh, honorable women and the chief men of the city. Isn't that interesting? I just find that interesting and raised persecution. So now they just weren't contrary, contradicting, and blaspheming. Now they're raising persecution, right? Persecution. Anyways, let's keep going. Persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them, expelled them. Kind of like when you're in school, you if you do things bad and wrong, enough times you get written up by the principal, the teacher or whatever, uh, and you play enough hooky, guess what happens? Uh, you are expelled. You're kicked out of school. Now what do you do? Your parents go crazy. What happened? What, what was, what, why were you acting this way in school? Because they have no clue about what was going on. They're detached from their children. They don't know what their children are doing because they're too busy arguing as husband and wife or they're too busy with their careers and their occupation, like my parents were, and too busy arguing, they were doing everything wrong. Uh, they were too busy to see the problems that were happening in us three kids. I have a brother and a sister, or three of us. They were too busy in their own world to see what was happening here. That was just interesting. So they, uh, so uh, for example, because they didn't know what was going on in my life for years and years and years, when I was 16, uh, they had it and they couldn't deal with me anymore. So I was expelled from my family at 16 years of age, 16 and a half. I was ordered out of the house and I had to leave, 16 and a half. How about that? How many 16 year olds you know can you think can survive in the world? I still had two years of high school left. I had to go get a job, 16 years old. I had to get a job, I had to find a place to live, had to rent some place, uh, had to figure out a way to get to school because I was going to finish my school even though everybody in the world said, oh, he's going to drop out of school. He's going to drop out of school now that he was expelled from his family. I said, well, I'm going to show them. I'm going to graduate. And I did. I went and told all my teachers of the, my junior year. I told all the teachers what went on. And then in my senior year, I told all the teachers there too what was going on. And uh, so I had to work a, a job. I had to take care of my home and I had to go to school. How about that? 
So I grew up hard and tough, you know, but I was expelled out of the family because they looked at me as a quote, if you use it, let's use this word sinner. I was opposed to their family, to the fam, my family. I was opposed to my mom and dad. I was contradicting them. I was uh, uh, blaspheming. I was going against them because I didn't like my mom and dad. They were alcoholics and my mom was witchcraft. I wanted to get out of that family. I've told the story. Five years old, I got to get out of here. And by the time I was 16, 11 years later, I was able to get out of there. All right? But it was hard. So if you live like I was living, God can expel you from his family. That's why the fear of God is so important in a believer's life. And if you don't fear God, you're going to sin because you think there's no consequence. You're thinking that the consequence is, as a believer who's sinning, oh, God's just going to wipe it clean. I'm going to be okay. I can live with my girlfriend or my boyfriend. And uh, I can kill, uh, you know, I can do all kinds of nasty and bad things. And uh, God's still going to love me and forgive me and bring me to heaven and wash me up when I... You're deceived, man. You are not thinking right. You're not thinking right. You're thinking incorrectly. Expelled them out of their coast. Verse 51. But they shook off the dust of their feet. Dust. They shook off the dust. The dust refers not to the dirt, but it refers that we, our body, our body is made from the dust of the world and our body will go back to the dust. So when they shook off the dust of the, off their sandals, it is symbolic to kicking the people out of their life, out of their life, out of their life. And sometimes you gotta expel people out of your life. You have to kick the dust, the, kick the people out of your life. That's what it's referring to. Not just the dirt, even symbolically, they did kick the dust and we see people do that. But what they were doing is they were kicking those people out of their life. We're done with you. We don't want anything to do with you anymore. We're going over there. We're going to preach over there in Longmont. We're going to preach in Longmont. Right. So they uh, shook off the dust of their feet against them, and they came unto Iconium, verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost, the disciples. So are you a disciple? Yeah, if you follow Jesus Christ and you study the, the Word of God, you are a disciple of Christ, all right? So as a disciple of Christ, are you, in this verse here, are you filled with joy? Are you filled with joy as a believer? Huh? Are you griping, like I said in the first part of the video, are you filled with joy? Down there in Lafayette yesterday, that hot sun, boy, it was so hot. I had a lady stop by and pray with me, it was so great. And she brought me a great big, I mean, it looked like a quart size uh, glass, a bottle or whatever, it wasn't a bottle, it was a cup of ice and water. And man, I drank that, it just cooled my body down. I mean, I had a lot of water. And uh, I put the ice on my neck here. I mean, I was sweating, but I was working hard <laughs> in the sun, sweating like crazy. And uh, uh, and I started praying like a different thing. I was praying, and I started crying as I was flying the banner, and I was praying for people, and I was preaching and ministering. I began to cry, and the cry. I said, and I started kind of. I was just crying, but I was crying for joy. The joy of the Lord just filled me up to overflowing, and I couldn't stop crying for the joy of the Lord. It was just so spectacular. And that joy gave me rest, it gave me coolness. I actually cooled down after that, crying. But, uh, because that was an answer to prayer, because this week I've been asking the Lord, what does it look like to have this verse in a believer's life. What does it look like to be filled with joy? What does that look like? How do you know when somebody's full of joy? I mean, really, seriously. I mean, what is the logistics? What is the 
look, what, how do you know that someone's full of joy? How do they know? How do you know you're full of joy? It's, you know, so I knew I was full of joy. I get that often. A lot of times uh, I will be filled with joy. And for me personally, I know how it feels like to be full of joy. That joy for me personally, not just for me, not for you or somebody else, but for me, I begin to cry uncontrollably. I mean, I begin crying like bawling my eyes out, just crying. But I'm happy. I'm, and a lot of people think I'm sad. I, I cry in church. I just, I am so filled with joy in church, not in gospel evangelism, but you know, if it grew bigger, uh, I mean, because I'm working in church now, and when I'm working, I, you know, I've got time to cry. I have to work, you know. But uh, when I like in Bethel, when I'm done working and I'm sitting in a ch one of the chairs, you know, and I'm worshiping God, I begin to cry. And I'll sometimes be on the floor where everybody's worshiping. I'm on the floor in the, underneath the chair crying. And I'll have people beside me put my, oh, brother, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm going, I'm not crying because I have bad things going on. That's what most people think. When you cry, something bad is happening to you. I always cry for joy. I never cry for sadness. When somebody dies, well, all right. Somebody gets hurt, oh well. I don't cry for sadness. I let my tears demonstrate to me the fullness of joy in my life. But everybody's different. That's what I do. Uh, I used to cry when I was a child growing up, but that cry was tears of anguish. We're living in the household before I was expelled. I cried tears of anguish, sorrow. I was just scared of my mom and dad. And because uh, I was beat a lot. Anyways, it's another story. And uh, so after I got born again, many, many years later when I was 19 and a half or 20, uh, the tears no, were no longer of anguish and sorrow and pain, uh, it became tears of joy. So that happens often. And so I'm, and I noticed that being full of joy isn't a continuum. You have joy, but you're not full of joy because you gotta work, you gotta drive down the road, you gotta take care of business, you can't be bawling your eyes out. Or some people, they laugh a lot. You know, There's a lot of laughter nowadays in God's church and uh, that's kind of a sign of the joy of the Lord. And uh, you know, different for everybody and uh, but while people are laughing I'm crying <laughs> following my eyes out man I love it you know and uh, but that's me and uh, so that just comes and goes you know and that's why I don't like it when people say oh when you're full of the Holy Ghost it never leaves well that's not true you're sometimes you're full of the Holy Ghost now you have the Holy Ghost that's how you're saved that's the battery acid inside your battery. It keeps you charged. The charge comes from the Holy Ghost. But sometimes you have to be full, overflowing with, with, uh, with the Holy Ghost. All right? And I, for example, I, you know, I used to be a mechanic. And uh, so sometimes we take a battery and we would have to charge it. We put it on the charger. Uh, old batteries, I mean, not new day batteries, but old, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, we would have to take the battery caps off the battery because when we hook it up to the charger, the battery acid would begin to bubble and that gas needs to be released. And uh, uh, so we would have to take the battery. So we know that once that battery begins uh, bubbling, uh, it's fully charged, I guess you could say. Because our old battery charge didn't have a, a needle that said charge. We have to kind of wait till it begins to bubble. <laughs> And uh, once we know that with all the battery acid was bubbling, uh, we could take the charger off, put the cast back on, it's fully charged. But it still had charge within it. It was still a battery and it still had charge. It was just a dim or a light charge. But we want it to be fully charged, all right? Because old time batteries would lose their charge. Nowadays, you know, when, I remember when a five-year battery came out, I go, wow, five years the battery lasts? Oh, I thought that was like, wow, one day I'm gonna have enough money to buy me a five-year battery. That was a dream of mine way back when I was a teenager, a five-year battery, or whenever those Sears diehards came out. That's really crazy. 
right? And the disciples were filled with joy. And, you see, this is another thing that the body of Christ, not everybody, but a lot of people don't get. And I'm sorry you don't get this, but a lot of people will never get it because they don't want it. Why don't they want it? I don't know that either. I, I don't know. It says here that they were full, filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. What does that look like? What does it look like when you're full of the Holy Ghost? You got your Bible with you? I mean, what does it look like? I mean, stop and think about it. Talk to God about that. What does it look like, Lord, to be full of the Holy Ghost? When you look at being full of joy, what does it look like? So it must look similar because these two passages are right together, full of joy and of the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Ghost, full of joy. And, you know, people who don't like being full of the Holy Ghost, they rebuke and put down and they contradict and blaspheme the Holy Ghost. When you see a, 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 a person filled with the Holy Ghost and they begin to shout and holler and praise the Lord out loud and dance up and down and begin worshiping God in their heavenly language, maybe laughing and having fun in the Lord, people who don't like that, disagree with that, contradict that, blaspheme that, say, he has a devil. That's what they say. He has a devil. I wouldn't do that if I were you. But that's what people do. That's what I've heard dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of preachers say. They have a devil. God would never do that. God would never do that. God would never do that. I'm a scholar. I, God would never do that. I know God. God would never do that. That's what they do, man. I mean, quit putting God in a box. His ways are where? In heaven, higher. Is your ways higher than God? If you think it is, then maybe you might be listening to the wrong God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you give us eyes to see you and you give us ears to hear you, Lord Jesus. And you give us a heart to understand that it is you, Jesus, we're looking at and we're hearing. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give us the ability, the power to receive salvation through our Lord and through Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Christ on the cross. And uh, we thank you that we could even come to Longmont here or wherever you're sending people this weekend or this Friday. And uh, I thank you, Lord, for everything. I, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I just want to say thank you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Is God good or is he good? I hope God's good to you, man. I really do. So, Lord, I thank you that these people here are watching right now, are receiving from you. I thank you, Lord, that if they need healing in their body, that I ask, Lord, that you heal them now according to their faith. And Lord, if they have a devil that needs to be set free from them, cast out from them, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I cast that devil out from them. Lord, if they need a word from you, I thank you, Lord, that you'll deliver a word, a word of wisdom, or a word of knowledge to them. And I thank you, Lord, if they're unsure of their salvation, that you help them to have that assurance in their heart. But if they've never believed on you, Lord, that you give them the power to pray, to believe, and to repent from their sin, turn to you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have the Father and, and uh, you baptize him with the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord, that you fill them with the Holy Ghost. Baptize them, fill them up, Lord, with the Holy Ghost. Give them all they need, everything, Lord. More, more, more. Just give them more, Lord. Just keep filling them up, Lord. Keep filling them up, Lord. Yeah, right there where they are. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let it go. There you go. You just pray in that unknown language. You just worship God. Give Him glory. Magnify God right now. We magnify you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Just continue as I leave here. You just continue worshiping the Lord, okay, as this video ends. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.